Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. Everybody had a good week? Good week? Good. Good. I, kn- I know some of you have been to the beach, some of you haven't. Um, raise your hand if you haven't. All right. Now, I want us all to stand up. No, raise your hand again if you have it first. Everybody look. Everybody look to see. Okay, now stand up. Now, those of you who've been to the beach, you need to go to the ones that haven't been to the beach and say, you're too white, you need to get there. So let's stand and shake, do that. I'm serious, let's do it. Welcome each other. Stand, go to each other, and, and welcome them to the service. Is it really? That's right. Thank you. All right. You may be seated. Good. Um, I went to the beach. I'm still white uh, because it seems that you have to get to the beach in order to get sun to get a tan. Um, I went down a little bit. I really stayed in the condo and just kind of watched people at the beach and stuff. I did go down every now and then just to see what was happening um, because, you know, my, my daughter has, yeah, anyway, I just had to check on her, and um, she had somebody with her, and I just had to check and make sure that things were on the up and up, you know, six inches apart. Is, are you getting my drift here? Six inches apart, make sure they're not too close, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I went down there a little bit, um, had a great time at the beach, nothing exciting, <clears throat> really, it's just water, sand, and a book, but very relaxing, so... Anyway, had a great time. I know Seth did a great job. Listened to his sermon uh, from that Sunday, and I thought she did a fantastic job, actually, in, in uh, freedom in Christ. So, so that, was, that was good. Good. All right. I've been reading, because I don't have a life. Um, I've been reading about wasps and bees. Bees and wasps. Now, did anybody grow up like I did, and anything that flew with the stinger was a bee? Anybody? Like you saw the wasp nest and you really said that's a bee's nest? You didn't say it was a wasp nest? Well, there's a difference between the two. I've known this for a while, but there's a difference between the two. There's wasps and there are bees. And I just think somebody had a lot of free time, some scientists, and they kind of put them to the side. Because currently, I don't see really the big difference between the two. One is skinny. They go to the gym. That would be wasp. And the other is fat. They don't. They sit on their couches and eat potato chips. Right? Yeah? The fat? That, that's basically the difference. So anyway, I was, I was eating, and this picture right here is a picture of a mud dauber. Now, that is the technical term for it. We used to call them dirt daubers, right? Anybody else in here? See, we're more sophisticated because that's a bigger word than mud. <laughs> more sophisticated in there. Yeah. So that's a dirt diver. And I really like this insect. Wasp, I don't know if you know this or not, find spiders. They sting the spiders, which paralyzes them. And then they take them back to their nest or they eat them. Did you know that? So mud daubers does something really cool. They actually will sting a spider he, it will paralyze him. They will take him back to the nest. They will uh, stick him in the nest, and then they will lay an egg on top of him. They will cover the spider with mud. And so when that egg hatches, 
the little larvae has something to eat until it grows into a full wasp. This is my favorite insect ever. <laughs> oh, come on, right? Kill spiders? Come on. God's good, isn't he? Yeah, there's a dead spider right over here in the corner right here, and it's giving me the ibby-jibbies, and it's dead. I'm thankful for this little mud diver. Now, the reason I put this blue one up here is because the blue ones kill black widows. Right? So if you have black widows around your house and there's a mud diver's nest, leave the mud diver's nest alone. It'll take care of your little black, black widow. And, you know, that's justice, isn't it? After all, that woman eats her man, and some, something's got to take her out. <laughs> that was good, too. Yeah. All right, enough of that. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Yeah. <clears throat> Did not know. All wasps eat spiders. It's good to know. Some of them like more colorful spiders than other ones, but nonetheless, wasp. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> says this, Paul. Now, you and I, if you've been at church long enough, you're kind of, you kind of know who Paul is. Uh, Paul is an apostle. He started many churches. He was a missionary. Um, if Paul was to send us his resume we probably wouldn't hire him, probably wouldn't support him. Because Paul uh, is a guy that um, everywhere he goes, there are issues. So if you did a background check, the last city he left, there was turmoil and there was like a lot of, a lot of stuff happening that wasn't so good. And so you'd be like, I don't know if we need a troublemaker as somebody that we are supporting as a missionary or somebody that's a pastor, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't want that. But that's not all. That's not the only reason you wouldn't want Paul. Paul um, never stayed very long in one place. Sometimes he stayed six months. Sometimes he stayed a year and a half. I think his longest term is either two or two and a half years that he stayed at one place. So he doesn't stay long. So you could hire him as your pastor, but then in six months, he might be gone. I mean, that... That doesn't make you feel good, does it? Right? That's not somebody you'd want to, want to do. Um, you wouldn't want to have. He, he was also ugly. He was ugly. Yeah. That's the reason he wasn't married. Okay, there, there you go. I got you. Got you. Yeah. Was it? He was ugly? Like, he tells you that he's ugly. He tells you that his appearance is not very good, like he's not very good to look at. So even if he got past the background check and, and you background checked it and said, oh, he was spreading the gospel and there's a reason why, why the, it was there, or, and you, he got past the whole, I don't stay very long deal, and he actually got in front of you, you'd be like, man, do I want to look at that every week? You know? To top it all off, he had stuff coming out of his eyes, like you know, stuff, nasty stuff. And so I don't know what kind of rags they had back then, but you wouldn't want him taking his robe, right, and wiping, or wiping his... Oh, come on, you wouldn't want that. It, it would make you feel... Right? 
I was just in the bathroom with the guy that was making sure that he didn't have any boogers in his nose. I know, I know that y'all understand what I'm saying here. You wouldn't want to look at all of that. He was looking at his nose like this, you know, making sure that it was all clean. That's a fear of mine every now and then, you know, what if one is hanging there? You wouldn't want a guy like this, but here is Paul and he's writing a letter to the Thessalonians, the church of Thessalonians, and we're all cool with him because we don't have to look at him. We don't, we don't have to experience his jumping from place to place. We're all good with him. And we're really good with him because we know his story. We know that he was called of God to start a lot of churches, and he's the greatest missionary ever, really. All right? Then you get to this guy, the very next one, uh, Savannah. Now, Savannah is actually a Latinized word taken from Hebrew, and the Hebrew word is actually Saul. So you have Paul and Saul. Now, if you know anything about Paul, his former name was Saul. Well, this is a different guy, and just to make sure that we knew it was different, he used the Latin word for, for Saul, but we're going to call him Saul because I get tripped up sometimes on Savannah. It'll come out different ways, and I'm just going to say Saul. So Saul, this guy was actually with Paul for two churches that we know of. He start, helped him start the church of Philippi, and he helped him chart, start this church in, uh, in Thessalonica. And so we know that. He was a partner with him. And then you know who Timothy was. Timothy was somebody that was with Paul from the very beginning, and he lasted all the way till his end, right? Timothy is the most faithful partner that Paul had in ministry. He was always with them. He is somebody that Paul invested in, right? And so Paul, Saul, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a different sort of greeting than most of Paul's letters, I think um, Philippians has the same sort of greeting, but the other ones, Paul will say, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or he will say, Paul, a servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here he, he doesn't do that. He says, Paul, Saul, and Timothy. In other words, what he's communicating is, these are the three people that you know help start your church. These are the three people that came into town as a team working together for a common goal to start your church. Paul, Saul, and Timothy. You know these guys. They lived with you. Some of, some of you were led to the Lord by Saul. Some of you were led to the Lord by Paul. Some of you were led to the Lord by Timothy. And then after that, they taught you things from Scripture. They taught you and they, they helped you form the church. And now you have a viable church. It's struggling a little bit, but you have a viable church with leadership. And these three guys, this team, this team of guys is who invested in this location and they started that church. This is a team. They all know them. They all know them as a team. And so I got, I got to thinking about that and teams, Right? Did you ever watch that show when you were little? Me? Anybody in there? Yeah? You watch? Yeah. Yeah. And the movie isn't half bad. It isn't half bad. I like the movie too. Um, but but the, the show, I've said this many times here. I'm going to say it again just because it's a reality. The reason that I think that projects should take 20 minutes is because I lived with the A-team building a tank in 20 minutes on every show that they did. They would put together, you know, out of scrap metal. 
They would come out with this little thing. But anyway, the A-team. So here is three people that were a team and they started a church. So here's the first thing. You can never do anything significant alone, all by yourself. You cannot do anything significant alone. God has designed you and me to be in community. He's designed you and me to have people to help us. He's designed you and I to do things together. And sometimes it's a small little group of people that you do something with, that you accomplish great things. And sometimes it's a large group of people as well that you team together to do something big, something that you could not accomplish on your own, but something that is, you could accomplish with a lot of people together, together. There isn't a healthy church out there that has one guy doing it all. There isn't a healthy church out there. The churches that are healthy are the churches that do ministry as a team, as a corporate team, as a family. And they all invest and they all serve and they all do the work of the ministry. They all get together and do things. They serve. So one person can't do it all. We often have that that concept, you know, one person He did this, he did that. No, no, no. It's a group of people all the time that is doing something in an environment in a church. And so this is no different. Paul could not have started the church here without his team members. And it was Saul and it was Timothy. Now, Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. So the reason that they chose that particular location is because they knew that if they started a church in that location... If they preached the gospel and people accepted it and they started a church in that location, that that location would eventually be able to reach all of Macedonia. Everybody was coming there. Everybody. Everybody traveled through Macedonia to get anywhere in, well, sorry, traveled through Thessalonica to get anywhere in Macedonia. And so that was a central place. And so this team of people agreed with that purpose. Isn't it interesting that if you're going to have a team that you have to agree with the thing that you're trying to do, right? The direction you're trying to go. If you're going to have a team, if you're going to have a group of people working together, they have to agree on a purpose. Not only that, but that team at some level has to believe that it's worth their time to do their job as that team member for that particular purpose. You have to believe in the thing that the team is going for, the goals of the team, the direction of the team. You have to believe in that. And so they believed in that. They believed in the purpose. They believed in the direction. They believed in where this thing was going to go. They believed in the value of starting a church in that location so the gospel could go out to the entire world. That's what they believed. And they, so they locked arms. They united together and they went for it. You know, you and I need to do exactly the same thing, right? As a church, we are a team that is put here by God to reach this community with the gospel. It is worth investing your time and your energy here in order to do something great, something that's greater than you, something that is as great as the God that has called us to do it. Right? 
So a team, we get together to do what he wants us to do. Now, a good team is a team that gets together to do something that benefits other people, right? Have you, have you ever been on a team where there's one guy on the team and everything that he does, or let's just be equal, we in America, or the woman does everything that she does for herself and for himself, like they're it. Like they're not doing it for the benefit of other people, they're doing it for their own their own benefit. Have you ever seen? That's not a healthy team, is it? The other team members that are on a team where somebody is, you know, trying to be all that, the other team members don't feel too good about that person that wants to have all the light and take all the credit, right? 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 And so, and so you, you don't join a team for your benefit. You join the team for the benefit of others. And here's how you benefit others as a team, as a church. First, we benefit each other when we serve with each other, when we get together. We've been having these summer spectacular um, prep nights where we're building stuff and we're painting stuff and, and we're decorating rooms and doing stuff like that for next Sunday. And we have another one this Wednesday. When you are around people that are serving and you're putting something together, there's a fellowship that happens and a benefit for them and a benefit for you, frankly. And it's just nice to be with a group of people that are doing stuff that actually matters, right? That actually matters. And so it's a benefit. But the second benefit is for the kids that are coming. I mean, we're not just doing this to get together just to paint stuff and build stuff. We have better uses for our time, right? The benefit is for the children of this church that are going to come that will hear the gospel and hear the word of God those four days. Summer Spectacular is really not Vacation Bible School. It's really a kid's revival service that starts in here and then goes to a, a room over there. They play games and they come back in here and we conclude the service. That's how it's designed. And so the gospel is given. So it's for the benefit of people being saved, little kids being saved. When we get together as a church and we decide to do an outreach, whether it's, it's the Chicken Stew Plus or whether it's something else, it's for the benefit of other people hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they might be saved. It's a benefit for other people. That's why, that's why we do it. It's not so that we can somehow get some type of credit. I don't know if you know this or not, but the only person that can really get credit for anything that's happening here is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only person. We should always thank him for the things that he's done and for the blessing that it is that he uses us to do those things. But Jesus wants us to be a team doing his purposes in this world. And so we work for the benefit of others. These three guys, Paul, Saul, and Timothy, <clears throat> as a team, um, they coordinated the team correctly. Have you ever been on a team that wasn't coordinated correctly, like there was people in the wrong positions. Ever been on a team? Okay, I have. Thank you. I've been on a team like that. And if you haven't, just to kind of bring you up to speed, which I believe all of you have been on a team where people were in the wrong positions. Okay, here's what happens when people are not coordinated correctly. 
It says at the bottom, I've got it too, Omar. A strange feeling, like we've just been going in circles. Okay. Skinny people, people that lift weights. Skinny people, people that lift weights. They need to be coordinated differently. Some of these little guys need to be over here, and some of the big guys need to be over here. We live in an environment, in a culture, that says you should never move people from where they initially sit or what they think, where they think they should be. I'm telling you, that's bad. We need to coordinate people to where they are the most effective for what we are trying to accomplish. So you don't have all the skinny people on one side of your boat and all the strong people on the other side of the boat. You mix them up so you can get somewhere, right? So these three people coordinated correctly and they got the church started. That's how we know. That's how we know they coordinated correctly. They were successful in starting this church. And then here's, here's another one. Paul, Saul, and Timothy had the same message. In fact, in this letter, the reason that they are listed here, Paul, Saul, and Timothy, is because Paul is telling the people that are reading that I'm not the only one that believes that you need to hear this and know this truth. Saul does and Timothy does. You know, there's people that lived with you for a while, that loved you. They want you to know what I'm about to write here. They want you to know the truths that I am giving to you through this letter. And so they were unified on the message. And the church as a team needs to be unified in its message, doesn't it? Let me give you just a small one. I'll start with the small one and then go big, okay? Now, don't throw things at me when I say small. You'll see why it's small when I get to the big one, okay? The small one would be the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That's a big thing, big thing. We are glad. We, we have prayed for that for 50 years, and can't we just all agree that when conception happens, that is when life starts? Can't we just all agree on that? And can't we agree that the woman's choice is before conception and not after? Can't we just not all agree? Your body before, but when conception happens, you have a body that isn't yours. That body is a gift from God. Can't we just all agree on that, right? And and can't we just all agree, right, that we still need to pray about this thing? That Roe versus Wade isn't just it. We have a leader in our country, and I know people don't like it when I say this, but it's a fact, biblically, that was placed in the position of president by God, and he is doing all he can to fight against the overturning of Roe versus Wade. At this point, we need to pray that he is not successful. We need to pray that there are other states that stand up and move, North right? North Carolina is one of them, our state, and move to make this to where we protect babies in the womb. That's what we need to do, right? And we need to all agree on that. We need to pray for it. And then you need to vote. You need to vote in two years and pray that God will put somebody in office that will support what he supports, Okay? So that's the little, that's the little thing that we can agree on. Here's the big thing that we need to agree on. We need to agree on that, but we really need to agree on this. 
The gospel is the answer to the world's problems, period. That is a much bigger agreement point than any of this out there. In fact, I believe that if someone comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior and they begin to learn the word of God and the Holy Spirit teaches them, I believe that the abortion issue takes care of itself. I believe that when someone is transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his saving power, that immediately they know adultery is wrong. They know lust is wrong. They know that there is a different, better way of life that God has offered for us to live and sin needs to be totally out of their life. I believe that the gospel is the answer to all the world's problems. And can't we just agree on that? a united purpose to say we need to share the gospel with people because the gospel changes lives and the gospel is what matters and the gospel is the hope for people. It is not the hope for the world. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? If you've read your Bible, this world gets destroyed. It is the people that are saved that get to go to the next world. Our hope is in a new creation, not an old creation being revamped. Our hope is to be with Jesus in a perfect environment, not this one. So Jesus Christ is the hope for humanity. It's the only way that they can solve their issues. Now, when someone gets saved, can they just, I mean, is it just a clean slate? Like, you know. You know what I mean? Is it just everything's gone? Absolutely not. You know that. You look in the mirror every morning, right? Maybe you don't. Maybe your mirror broke. Okay, I'll let that sit. (laughs) You look in the mirror every morning, right? Right? You look in the mirror every morning. You know when you look in that mirror, right? You know when you look in that mirror that you are looking at somebody that has sinned. And I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart when I start thinking of some of the things that I have done in my life. But the hope is this. Jesus has forgiven those sins, and I am his child. It's an amazing thing. And it makes you go through the day knowing that those sins are forgiven, and you're okay. Now you're trying not to sin, but you're okay. I want everyone in the world to have that opportunity. To have that opportunity to look in their mirror and say, look, I once was lost, and I'm sorry for everything I did wrong, but now I'm found. I'm found. So a team agrees on a purpose, and there is no greater purpose than making sure the gospel is going out into the entire world. There's no greater purpose. No greater purpose. So real quick before we get to the next thing. Um, If you want to be a part of a team, here's a couple of things. If you want to be a part of a church team, especially, here's a few things that you have to do, okay? First, well, first you have to be saved. Second, be present. No, 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 I'm not on the second one. That was, yeah. Be present. Have you ever been on a team where the people didn't show up? Right? It's not a good time. People don't show up for the, for the team activity. You're trying to get something done. People just don't show up. Ugh. Be present. Be a part of it. If you commit to do something, be present. Make sure you're here. Second, bring your A game. Bring your A game. A lot of times in churches, um, 
there's this thing where, you know, well, we'll just do it. We'll just do it when we get there. No prep, no nothing. We'll just do it when we get there. It'll take care of itself when it gets there. The Holy Spirit will see me through this. I really don't need to prep. Well, let me just speak to that a moment. Number one, yes, the Holy Spirit can work if you don't prepare. But the Holy Spirit would much rather work with the vessel that is prepared to do his work. So you prepare to do his work, and then the Holy Spirit takes over. We don't just show up and just hope for the best. Sometimes we don't, we don't bring our A game because we think the thing that we're about to do doesn't require an A game, and we can just kind of float through it. Well, you can't bring your A game if you're just floating through something. You always bring your A game. So be part of a team, an effective team. Everybody has to bring their A game. Whatever that is, has to bring your A game. Here's the next one. Check your feelings at the door. <sighs> check your feelings at the door. We check them at the door. See, we live in a, an environment where at the drop of a hat, Somebody can be offended. Aren't you tired of that? And you can't work on the team when there's somebody mad on the team. You can't work on the team when somebody's offended at somebody else on the team. When someone is offended, it is all about them, not about other people. When someone is offended, it's all about them and not about other people. There's a difference between taking offense, hitting it head on to solve the problem, and being offended, and it all being about you. Do you see the difference? There's a difference. And so you check your feelings at the door. You, you check whatever it is at the door, and you come in and you focus on what's really important. You see, your feelings and your bad feelings are minute compared to people burning for eternity in the lake of fire. So check your feelings at the door. Join the team, join something bigger than you. You check your feelings at the door. Here's the next one. Leave personal boasting behind. You know, it's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's about Jesus. We do not boast in ourselves, we boast in Jesus. Now, I mentioned Paul at the very beginning. He had every reason to boast, and he will tell you that in Scripture, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it because of Jesus Christ, and he boasts in him. So you leave your personal boasting behind. We don't do things here to be recognized. We do things here because it matters for eternity. That's why we do things. Next, connect. You have to connect with people. In order to be a team, you have to know those people. And then finally, you have to understand who the real leader is. I'm kidding. It's not me. <laughs> it is Jesus, right? That is who the real leader is. The moment that we lose sight of who the real leader is is the moment we're no longer doing his purposes, but ours. He is the real leader. Now, this verse continues. That's Paul, Saul, and Timothy. <clears throat> it says, To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is also different than other places in Scripture where he's written. He is saying that this church is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, in the sphere of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in their presence. Thessalonians are in their presence. <clears throat> he, 
They're not outside of God's presence. They are in God's presence. Now, to be in God's presence, there's one thing that you cannot be, and that is dead. You have to be alive. To be in God's presence, you receive Jesus as your Savior, and you become alive in Christ. And that is how you're in his presence. This is what it says in Ephesians, also a book that Paul wrote. It says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We're not alive with anything else other than Christ. It is Christ, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. That is where our life encompasses. That means that within that arena is community. It is the church, the assembly of believers that are alive in God the Father and alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a community. They are living together. We are grouped together. This is our place. So, okay, we're alive. Okay, I knew that. So what does this have to do with everything else? I am so glad that you may or may not have asked that question. Okay? So here we go. It all comes down to wasp and bees. It all comes down to wasps and bees. It really does. How does it come down to wasps and bees? I'm going to tell you. First, there are wasps and there are bees that live in community. And there are wasps and bees that live alone. Did you know that wasps live alone? Did anybody know that? That wasps live alone? I didn't know that. I'm glad you didn't either. And there are bees that live alone. Now, you might have known this one. Carpenter bees live alone. You ever seen them around your house? They make the little holes in all your wood. They live alone. And the reason they live alone is because they chase off everybody that could come near them. Thank you. Have you ever watched them? They chase each other away? Ever? Sometimes, right? Right? Sometimes people are alone because they chase people away. Right? So that's a message for another time. We're going to go with the community bees. Okay? The community bees, the community wasps. They all live together in a community. The church is the same way. We are a group of people that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we all live together in a community. Now, that community is coordinated. Did you know that yellow jackets were wasp? Anybody know that? I did not know that until I read it. You knew. Of course you knew because you're smart. So, <clears throat> When I'm mowing my yard in July, I have my shorts on, white legs, radiating whiteness, walking through my yard, just mowing my yard, minding my own business. Every now and then, there will be things that will bite my legs, like a lot of them, that will come up out of the ground because I have touched their home. They are coordinated in this attack. They attack any skin that is there and as soon as it happens, your tendency is to run away, right? And to do this. I do both, okay? I run away and try to get away from them as, 
as much as possible. There is always three or four of them that are still around me at any point in my yard. Have you ever had that experience? They're very coordinated. In fact, if, if you take the time to look at the hole, there are other yellow jackets ready to come out just in case they need backup. They're very coordinated. Let me go over to the B side, honeybees. You know, you open it up, and if you, if you bring this out, there's going to be a swarm of bees that come at you. If you swat at them, if you swat at them, they will sting you. In fact, to protect their home, they are willing to die. They are willing to die to protect their home. It's the only bee that dies when it stings you. And so they will protect. And if you swat at them, they wouldn't. Now, they, when you, uh, let, me, let me back up a minute. When you first walk up to a beehive and you open it up, they tell you not to swat the bees because what happens is there are bee probes that come up out of the beehive and they will fly around your head. And if you do this, they're going to call the troops. Did you know that? They're going to call the troops to come get you. But if you don't, if you don't wave, if you just are still, chances are they're not going to sting you. You can actually take their honey. I've seen this happen with somebody that didn't have a smoke, nothing. You can actually take their honey as long as you're gentle and as long as you're not provoking them to anger. They are organized. They are waiting for you to attack them. They're very coordinated. Listen, the church needs to be very coordinated, okay? We need to be coordinated in what we do. We, it needs to be strategic. We just don't flip a coin and then decide what to do. That's not what we do. Or we just feel like doing something, so that's what we do. No, we pray about it and we plan it. But secondly, the, this whole thing, when we're coordinated, that means that we protect the church. We protect the church. Have you ever walked up to a wasp nest and got near it, and then the wasps do this, and they're very still, and it seems like they're watching you, and if you get too close, they're going to do an attack on you? Come on, you guys, you're in the country for Pete's sake. You have seen all of this, right? Right? Or are you city slickers just moved to the county? I mean, what are you people? Anyway, you know, you've seen this. You walk up to a beehive and they're just like this. They are protecting their home. Christians need to protect their church. There are too many people posting negative things about their church on social media. Way too many people. Do I know that Farmington Baptist Church is imperfect? Absolutely. One, I'm here. Two, you are here. We're all imperfect. We, there's not perfection anywhere in this room except for the one we can't see. Right? So we're all imperfect. We do not need to throw our dirty laundry out on social media. It, that's not what you do. You protect the home. The number one reason you protect the home base is this. You have friends that are not saved. When they read that you don't like your church and you're upset at your church, it's just one more reason for them not to be in a relationship with Jesus. And Every time you see someone talking down on their church on social media, the 
Satan and his demons are having a party because that person has just, in their self-righteousness, worked for him and not for Jesus. Keep it within the room. If there's a problem in the church, let's talk about it. Let's leave it here. If I have a problem with you, I'm not going to post it on social media. If you have a problem with me, I've never seen you do this because we have a very chill, chill place. There's no really problems going on that I'm aware of. Nobody's told me about them anyway. Um, but nonetheless, there's nothing really going on here. But if we do have issues, we just need to talk to each other about it and work it out. And keep the testimony of Jesus and his church to the level that it needs to be to reach the world with the gospel. Does that make sense? You protect your team. You protect your team. You protect the home. Um, and then second, or last, it's not really second. I'm not good at math. Um, and second, or I, I really want to say second, but it's not second. Finally, okay, finally, um, You and I are supposed to make a positive difference in the world. Do you know that honeybees and bees in general and wasps make a positive difference in the world? Like bees pollinate plants, fruit that we eat, vegetables that we eat. They're a, a major important part of that system, right? You and I need to be the same way. We go out we share the gospel so people can drink the water of life and eat the bread of life from scripture. That's what we do. And then wasp take out evil in the world. The more spiders that are out of this world, the better off we all are, right? They take the evil out of this world. And whereas we can say that even though there's wasps, there's still spiders, yes, there will always be evil in the world but that doesn't mean that we don't try to go into the world to paralyze it with truth. Are you with me? That is what we do. So we make a positive difference in the world, not a negative difference. We don't want to add more violence to what's happening, more hate to what's happening. We don't want to do that. We want to make a positive difference in the world so that the world can know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. Um, <clears throat> a guy I follow, uh, John Maxwell, says this, team is together everyone achieves more. Now, I've heard him talk about this, and he actually says accomplishes more um, for the A, but together everyone achieves more. We will achieve greatness together, or a better level of greatness together, than we will alone. So that said, this is what I want us to do, okay? First, if you have volunteered to help in Summer Spectacular, I would like you to stand up. Good. Good. Second, if you work in Awana on Wednesday nights, I want you to stand up. Good. If you work in the fuel program with our youth, I would like you to stand up. If you 
on Sunday morning, work with our children, either in the preschool department or the children's department over in Building C. I would like you to stand up. Yeah, good. If you have helped with fellowships in this church, I would like you to stand up. That means setting up, tearing down, serving food. I'd like you to stand up. If you work on the tech team, you're already standing up. No, if you're in the audience, you can stand up. If you're in the, on the tech team, stand up. Okay? If you pray for this church on a constant basis for it to be successful spreading the gospel, I'd like you to stand up. Yeah. I had one more. Do what? Worship team. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about me, obviously. Worship, just kidding. Worship team, if you work on the worship team, if you could stand up. Some of these people are already standing up. Yeah, good. Everybody else stand up. Everybody else just stay standing. Just everybody else stand up. Yeah. Now, the reason I did this was not to make anybody feel bad because I don't want you to feel bad at all, okay? I don't want, that's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine, okay? No, no, just kidding. Just didn't want you to feel bad. Here's why I did this. In this church currently, because we've ran the numbers, the reason we've ran the numbers is because we are trying to figure out the next building that we need to build, and so there's a lot of research happening to try to figure that out. We ran the numbers, and over 70% of the church membership here at Farmington Baptist are involved in ministry at least one time a year. I don't know if you're familiar with church, but generally it's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And we have over 70% of our people involved at least one time a year. That also includes bringing stuff to the food pantry. Because I think if you go to the store and shop for food and bring it here, that's a part of that ministry. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. My prayer is that continues and it continues to grow. That everybody that comes here realizes the value of what God is doing in this location. And they get involved and they are a part of it because when you are a part of this, you are a part of something that will last into eternity. Amen? Amen. So, to that I say, good job. To that I say, stay a part of the team. Stay here. Stay here and serve Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. And Father... um, Our desire, the people in this room and the ones that are watching, our desire is to serve you with all our heart. Our desire is to keep connected to the purpose that you have for this place. You've not been mysterious about it. You've been very upfront about it. And everybody knows it. That's to reach people with the gospel and make disciples. Thank you for everything that you have done here. Thank you for using us to do it. And we look forward to the future where you even do more great things. And you work more completely in our midst. Help us to be faithful. 
Keep us from falling into temptation. And we ask all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to sing this song. I'm up front if you would like me to pray with you or if you want to present yourself for membership this morning. That's perfectly fine as well.